Welcome to another victorious edition of At The Buzzer with the Ralph Report. This is your co-host, Jack Barsh. Over there is your other co-host, Sam Mativier. And really quick off the bat, one question. How does 2-0 feel? Let's wait. Let's wait and see. Nope. Hype train in full effect. We are going undefeated this year. In case you've lived under a rock or you got bludgeoned to death by an angry Nebraska fan, CU is 2-0 over with wins over CSU and now uh, with a win over Nebraska in Folsom Field. That was the best football game I've ever been to live. Same um, here, actually. Yeah, how was it up in the press box? I didn't stay in the press box. Smart. With um, Well, in the first half, it was just sad. <laughs> I was upset. And then to make matters worse, the press box Wi-Fi wasn't working. Mm-hmm. So I was just mad about everything. <laughs> and I wrote the best recap I've ever written about the first half. But I had I got to delete it, so that was nice. You had to delete everything. Much mm-hmm. like see you just deleted everything from that first half. Mm-hmm. Um it nice was segue. it was disgustingly warm also on uh, Saturday. And um, sitting in the student section, you just got direct sunlight for, I don't know, whatever that was, five hours. Um, so I, the first okay. half was just so annoying because you're just basting in the sun. You're already dehydrated and there's no reason you want to be there because you have to watch these 25,000 raiders, pillagers coming in um, <laughs> in red, just shoving it down your throat how bad your team is. When you already know how bad your team is. Um, I don't know. I think I think if we're just diving right in, that first half you need the you need the fall before the rise, right? You need that down and out before their um, their triumph at the end to make it all worth it. Spencer Hall, the founder of Banner Society, which you should check out by the way. Everybody should. Nice way to plug the flagship. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> He wrote about how neither Colorado nor Nebraska is capable of putting together four good quarters of football. Mm-hmm. And so Colorado's strategy was the nice uh, rope-a-dope of just <laughs> let Nebraska take out uh, yes. all their energy in the first half and then go for the haymakers in the second. Yeah, the classic show up near the end of the semester is what <laughs> happened. Um, yeah, they were they came out swinging. Um, CU could literally could not complete a pass for a long time. Montez um, was spooked. Yeah, he was he was running gangly. He was running a little awkward. I thought like he was going down early. He was um, seeking out and then avoiding contact. Contact. Uh, there were a few sacks that he just he kind of spun into because he he wanted to hold on to the ball and didn't want to make a play. Yeah, he, was, it, it, he wasn't even looking downfield even. No. Like there was like on the two minute drill going into halftime. Mm-hmm. He had Brady Russell and Lavisca Chenault wide open. I think right. And he and didn't even see them. There was a few times that the running back leaked out late, and he, he could have had a nice little dump off, but he he just ate the sack. Either he was, I don't know. It, it was kind of a weird mirror image of uh, of last year's game, where he was getting hit, gate play after play after play, and he still still was standing tall, delivering strikes downfield. Um, whereas in this game, um, 
at least in the first half. He was getting hit, but not that much. But he was going down early. He was throwing what he was giving up on plays early. Um, it, it was a weird. It was an all-around weird feeling. How did the line adjust in the second half? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think there's a few parts to it. Number one, I don't, I don't know what they put in the orange slices they give out at halftime um, <laughs> in general, but the team just turns into a top-tier a, a top team after the break, no matter what, on offense and defense. Um, so that's part of it. I think the other part of it, especially uh, that reared its head on, on last Saturday, is, is the conditioning that Mel Tucker put this team under. I know, I know. Every new coach, every single new coach in the country says they run harder than the last coach. Every single new coach in the country says they're doing better stuff in the weight room than the last coach. Um, but I think it's fairly obvious that you can see that this year with CU. I miss orange slices in the locker room. I know. I That was... Honest, I think I played soccer three more years than I wanted to because I loved having orange slices. This is this is why I regret playing baseball is because we didn't get that. Yeah, you should have uh, switched to terrible soccer and then later basketball. I did switch to terrible soccer and it was a pretty terrible backup goalie. Nice backup goalie. That's the best spot you want. You never touch the field. And then, well, then my best friend was the goalie, and he got clobbered and had to go to the hospital. And then I had to step in. Oh, it's really good until it's really bad. Yep. Speaking of, this is completely off topic already, however many minutes. <laughs> but I am so excited for Gardner Minshew with the Jaguars. I just want him to. Oh, yeah. He yeah. looks so old. He looks so old already. Okay, that's the former Washington State quarterback who has all kinds of sauce, by the way. The stash, the man who came into Boulder last year and just wiped the floor with us. He does exercise band stretches with his mustache, a headband, and a jock strap on only. And, well, you missed the best part, and sunglasses on, indoors. I did forget the sunglasses. And sometimes he doesn't do it with the jock strap. He just loses that. He goes full birthday suit. (laughs) Yeah. He was born with a headband. Sunglasses and a mustache. Of all the Mike Leach quarterbacks, he might be the most Leachian. He has the he has the most sauce for sure. Graham Harrell's a little too buttoned up for Mike Leach. I think Minshew is the is the the most likely to follow in his footsteps and and track raccoons before work. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, we should we should move on. Well, just to finish up the first half, the running game really could not get much going. Uh, I thought at least Fonda was running hard, Mango was running hard, but it. it um, I think Nebraska did a good job of swarming. Um, and the other thing that we're going to see a lot of this year, which is frustrating for me, which means it has to be super frustrating for him, is Lavista just going to get beat the hell up every single play, and he's going to get bracketed every single play, which is. I want to see the best player on the team get the ball, but it's hard when everyone's keying on him. And even when plays, when he doesn't get the ball, they have kids keying off on him. It's an, it's frustrating. Do you think that'll change when the talent level of competition increases wherein like they actually have a good cornerback. So they think they can go one-on-one. I don't know if that's the reason it'll change. I think what helped is, is Tony Brown is showing that he's consistent threat. And Katie is obviously showing that you can't you can't single cover the rest of the field, as I think what they're seeing, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
KD was a known quantity. Tony Brown was kind of known. Um, but, but this game showed that, you know, Dimitri Stanley it also has ridiculous get-up and nice hands. Jalen Jackson is a speed demon, you know. Brady Russell, you can't just leave him open in the middle of the field. Like, a- as those weapons become uh, scary, I guess, um, La Vista becomes less so comparatively. I think this is the well-rounded receiving core that we thought we were going to see last year. Um, well, yeah, and, and as, as you'll see up on the site, I think the other thing that's helping um, is the fact that there is a legitimate threat on first, second, and third down for CU to run the ball and just punch mm-hmm. the other team in the mouth. Um, and it becomes a lot harder to commit seven or eight in the secondary to defending the pass when you don't know if that tight end that just went for an out route for six yards is going to stay in and block your linebacker out of the play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause might, what? it gets everyone creeping up looking in the backfield like what happened with the flea flicker um, in that great banner society article that you just um, uh, referenced give us money please flagship no um, these were two different banner society articles one was the buffs were number two on Spencer Hall's top whatever right okay and the other was the flea flicker it had its own article yes um yeah so once again please flagship you're welcome um <laughs> but that free flick article as jay johnson said they ran that play multiple times in the game before they ran the free flicker right they actually ran the run just to see what was happening right it, it's it's this the chess mass that's always happened that that in between defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator um and i love that jay johnson set it up with a few runs where the safety was committing, committing, reading the keys and committing. Um, and then the play where you least expect it, right? Where the safety is the most confident, where the Nebraska defense was the most confident that there was not going to be a pass, right? You're backed up. Just get the yards. Try to get out of there. String a drive together. No way you're doing a pass. And there's no way you're doing a trick play pass, right? Mm-hmm. In that scenario where, where Jay Johnson knows, the offense knows – that Nebraska's going to send the house to stop the run get a loss. He knows that's going to happen. He didn't know they were going to blitz. No, but he knew – he saw – because, like I said, he set that up, right? And yeah. He saw no. they were looking in the backfield both his those quote, times. His quote was that he didn't expect the blitz, but he was okay with it because there was enough time for Montez to get the pass off. Well, and he knew that they were going to commit to stopping the run. Yeah. Because who the hell runs a flea flicker on the four-yard line? No one, literally. That's what right. the article – found out yeah exactly longest one ever i believe yeah um and that one was really cool i think that only happens because you've been running the ball consistently and with the mentality um that you need i think that play only happens because you know fondo had 10 carries before that and mangum had eight carries before that or whatever it was i don't think you can run cu's 2018 offense the the spread it out run it fast quick swing passes and then try a flea flicker from the four-yard line and expect it to work. All, all respect to Darren Chivarini, our favorite reader. <laughs> um, I, I, I just really like the pistol offense a lot more than the air it out attack. Music to my ears. No, we were um, both excited about the pistol offense. I love oh, yeah. pistol offenses. And I think they should be used in the NFL more, but whatever. 
I don't know if we like it. For, you, we might like it for the same reason. I just love the fact that we're using a tight end. And um, as I like to say a lot, we're leaning on teams. CU is leaning on teams until they break. And I love that offense. I love, love, love that offense. Well, they haven't been leaning on very good defenses so far, so we should. No, as I, as I say in the article, uh, once again, planting now my own. <laughs> Which, my own article. by the time this will publish, that will have already published. Yes. So check out the website. <laughs> and I edited it, and there wasn't really anything to edit. So. Look at that. We're becoming a professional operation. We're no using the podcast as marketing. Yep, and no typos for Mr. Jack Barsh. Yeah, I try to do it first time, one time. I'm a stream of consciousness writer. I um, do edit out the all caps a lot of times. Well... That's an editorial choice I don't agree with. Um, okay. <laughs> so, as I say in there, CU has played, to put it mildly, heavy air so far, right? They are running plays against mild resistance um, for at least 90 minutes of football. Now, the first half, uh, CU was, was constantly loading their six-shooter and just unloading onto their foot. Um, it was... <laughs> It was constant penalties after such a clean game against CSU. There were so many back back shoots. Um, the one third down stop they had against Nebraska was nullified because Daniel Arias tried too hard for the punt block and ran into the punter. Easy first down. Nebraska goes on to score a touchdown. He wasn't even in position to block it. It was just a bad penalty. He was just excited. Um, yeah. And you know the first half was just a comedy of errors. And frankly, like I also say, um, in the article, it, the the only reason that CU was only down 17 at halftime is because of the complimentary football that CU is now playing, right? If if, yeah. if, if CU was failing like they were um, at, in that Nebraska game, but they were failing as fast as they did in the seven games of the 2018 season that they lost, Nebraska would have put up 40 points. Also, credit due to Alex Kinney. Oh, yes. MVP of that game, I think every single punt was inside the 20, and I think three one or four were inside back. the 10. He had a touchback? Um, well, he had one that was pinned at the four, one at the five, and then one was barely a touchback. Yes, because the CU players tackled each other in the end zone. That's right. Yeah, and all the Nebraska fans started laughing, and I wanted to jump out of the... So before we leave the first half... Hang on, I'm not done with Alex Kinney. Okay. Keep going. Um, that, that, that meant that those 96 and 95-yard drives Nebraska had to go to. Took longer. Yes, yes, it was somewhat back-breaking and demoralizing. And actually, one of those drives ended up lasting all of like 100 seconds. So maybe I'm not really making a good point. But they did have to go a long way, and they did take a lot of time on their own drives just because yes. of how far they had to go. It, it chewed up clock. Um, the first drive the CU went on in the first half took up half the first quarter. Took up seven and a half minutes without points. I don't even remember that drive other than the penalty. It was a three and out, and then um, uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, for Nebraska had a late hit, which gave him yeah. new life. And then CU just dink and dunked their way down to, I think, the 40 or 50 and punted it. Yeah, um, that was a bad drive after that. Yeah, but it, the fact that you, you took seven minutes off the clock without even scoring puts the defense in a better position. And that's what I'm trying to say with complimentary football. It, it's not – you're not going three and out, three passes, under 40 seconds, punt. Now the defense has to be on the field for most of the first quarter. And then moving on to the second half, they 
kind of flipped that time of possession thing and they were actually able to move the ball really quickly when they needed to? Well, <laughs> we're going to spend, I think, the mind share of this podcast talking about the second half. Because All right, then let's move on to the second half. What a beautiful second half. I don't want to skip any drives. I, I want to take our time leisurely strolling through. Jesus, um, it's going to take two hours. <laughs> this, is, this is a 24-hour podcast. I'll just listen to you while I eat my chips and hummus. It's a church school lock-in. Um, it, first of all, huge confidence booster that CU came out with a third and out, three and out, I believe, is what it was in the first drive that Nebraska had in the first half, in the second half. Stefano was nailing the kickoffs every single time. None of them were returnable. I apologize for calling James Stefano past his prime. <laughs> Despite it probably being true, but... Um, I also apologize for calling Mikhail, or Mikhail Onu ugly, which I shouldn't even say. For. What? That was uncalled for. Oh. And, once again, Mikhail Onu forcing a turnover in the first half. Another huge thing stopping, limiting the bleeding. Um, he upended Adrian Martinez with a perfect form tackle, dropped him on his head. Adrian Martinez fumbled. I love Ono. He's like, he's like, I think he's my favorite defender so far. Uh, all I know is, given the new depth chart that just got released, Sam Neuer is his current backup. So <laughs> if Vikhil Onu is hurt at all this year, there is going to be a very, very precarious situation to say. I assume that Mark Perry is redshirting. Mm, I wouldn't assume that. Well, I was going to say that he could still play those four games. I would not assume that he's redshirting. Okay. I would I would assume that Davion Taylor, who also deserves a nice few-minute um, segment in this podcast, is taking over a lot of those star um, snaps. Mm-hmm. Gavion okay. Taylor this game was the most important defender. I know Mustafa had three sacks. I know that Lamb was everywhere. Mikhail only forced a turnover. But, oh, my God, Davion Taylor just ruined them on the edge for most of the second half. Just completely ruined them. I was thinking, I was thinking about Chido Bayouzier. And I was wondering if I have any CU players who I just, like – not that they just made a great play, but I was personally excited that they made the play. That I was personally invested in that specific player as a favorite, like an Evan Batty, like making a shot. Right. Um, and I think I think my answer would be on defense. It would be Dev, Davion Taylor. And Interesting. He, okay. Who would you pick? As someone I'm emotionally invested in making plays. Yeah. Uh, I well. Jonathan Van Deest. I do love John Van Deest's story. Um, I, I don't know. I'm a big fan of Mustafa's. I'm a big fan of Mustafa's. Oh, I mean, me too. But I feel like Davion's yeah, Taylor. Davion's story is so unique. It's so unique. I also, you know me, that I like. I tend to like the the freak athletes who are kind of learning how to play. Yeah, but when they figure out I, whatever they said at halftime, which I assume was just some variation of see the ball, hit the ball, when they figure that out, oh, Lord. How many how many swing passes, how many tight end quick outs did Davion Taylor just completely blow up in the second half? I wasn't counting. It was a lot. I mean, it he was 
a menace on the edge. And even when he wasn't blowing the play up, he was destroying the wide receiver blocks. He was completely shutting down the inside slot run. He was forcing all the running backs back inside. He was a menace in that second half and a big reason why CU came from behind. I don't know. I'll I'll have to make a a compilation of each of those form tackles he had because he was um, just a – I, I would not know. I'm trying to, I'm running out of nouns. A whirling dervish. Yeah. <laughs> um, shout out to the Sufis. Um, um, I need you to, as an editorial decision, I need you to write a Davion Taylor appreciation article at some point. Well, I was worried this year cause he did not play much against CSU. When he did, he looked lost. Um, yeah. We talked about that last week, so we can probably skip that. Yeah. So if if he if this keeps going, um, which as we as we will end up this this episode talking about, if if he is, does the same thing against Air Force, where it'll be critically important, um, then then it will be time to fully celebrate him for what he is. Um. So in the second half, people forget, and I forgot until I rewatched it, which I did today for the third time. Um. People forget that CU did not score for most of the third quarter anyways. they I think the first score in the third quarter came with a minute left, maybe two minutes left, um, which was a Jaron Mangum walk-in, waltz-in touchdown. On perfect, flawless blocking. Yeah, that which was the story of the second half. How great of a job has Chris Kapilovich done with this unit? Uh, Steven Montez got hit what 15 times against Nebraska last year got sacked like eight times seven times yeah yeah something crazy and I don't it's mostly the same personnel uh people have moved on from the program prematurely Aaron Hagler Brett Tons um so frankly it's even younger personnel it it should be worse on paper because it's not like Colby Purcell was highly recruited right it's not like Kerry Cush was highly recruited um, Will Sherman was, but we knew he was a beast. Arlington Hambright. Hambright is a graduate transfer, oh, though. What an addition. What an addition Arlington Hambright has been. Just completely solid. It is so nice to be able to set and forget, you know? Mm. <laughs> Arlington Hambright is the RPG of this offensive line group. He is the rocket propelled grenade. I don't think that's what RPG stands for. I don't know what you're talking about. RPGs are... Um, I thought you were talking about role-player games. No. He is uh, our Dragon Age of the line. <laughs> no, it does stand for Rocket Propel Grenade. He is the fire and forget, right? He is the... You put him out there, and you just, you just leave it. He's solid. He's a fifth year. He's big. He's quick. He's nasty. You don't have to worry about Arlington Hambright for your offensive snaps, and that is so nice. It beats um, the disaster at left tackle we had the past two years. Will Sherman on the right side, I think, is more than fire forget. I think he is cele- he is should be celebrated. He's going He's, to be a star. He is ruining people on the right side. If you go back and watch, not Jaron Mangum's first TD run, but Jaron Mangum's second TD run, the entire right side of the line just uh, parts the Red Sea, for lack of a better term. It is... Uh, Will Sherman just pushes his guy out of the play. Brady Russell knocks Nebraska's team captain and biggest mouth, Muhammad Berry, on his ass. T- 
Kim Lanot and Kobe Purcell double teamed to just completely wall off the first the the interior side, and Jaron Mangum isn't touched until he's in the end zone. It is beautiful, and it's all because I something with this offensive line switch. It's mentality, it's talent. I don't know what it is, but they are pushing people out of the way this year. I'm happy with it. I'm. That was probably the biggest swing for this team was how the offensive line would play. Right. And it's phenomenal so far. We knew they had a talent. We knew Chris Kabilovich had the, the pedigree um, at North Carolina. But I did not expect it to be this quick, that they, are, that they are mean, that they are consistently pushing people to where they need to go. And even, not even run blocking and pass, and pass blocking. Steven Montez threw the ball, what, 20 times in the second half? How many times was he, was he even pressured? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, not enough where I was remarking about it. I, he had a clean pocket for most of the time to wheel and deal. Um, and as much as we're talking about turnaround performances, Davin Taylor, huge second half. Offensive line, huge second half. No player had a bigger swing than Steven Montez did, right? No yeah. player. He completely changed his game. Um, and once again, I don't know what they did at halftime. I don't know. I can't imagine it, it was anything that Jay Johnson said that, that flipped the switch that completely. But he was lights out in the second half. Huge kudos, Steven Montez. I was – yeah, I'm so – I'm really happy with Montez's second half because people were clamoring for him to get benched in the first half because CU fans are ridiculous. You should, you should have been in the student section. <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, I, uh, it was interesting. A lot of people were – a lot of people were clamoring for the backup who uh, – well, is the backup. Exactly. I was about to say, they don't exactly know because Sam Neuer is gone. Um, so they didn't know who they were clamoring for. They just knew they didn't want more Montez, um, at least the people I was around. But they got more Montez, thankfully, because the only reason I think we put up those points was uh, Montez's, Montez's throws. Do you want to keep going drive by drive, or do you just want to sum it up? Well, so, yeah, let's do a quick little drive summary. Nebraska first... goes three and out. CU gets some push, eventually leaves with no points. They had a three and out, back yes. to back. So, I believe Nebraska was Nebraska held scoreless in the third quarter. Um, they scored one touchdown in the second half, right? No, they scored two touchdowns. Oh wait. Yes, they, they were held scoreless in the third quarter. So, they were held scoreless in the third quarter, which is a huge uh, bowing of the back by the CU defense. And then CU finally gets on board near the on the board near the end, thanks to some, um, I guess, thanks to Katie Nixon's uh, like huge turn and catch on what was it, third and fifteen, second and fifteen. Um, I think that's what sparked the whole the whole offensive turnaround. I think that was the first huge chunk play CU had um, was when CU uh, Katie just took a quick four yard out and turned it into a fifteen yard gain, and that's what yeah. he's great at. Yeah, you're right. Um. Katie had that big play. Brady Russell single-handedly carried uh, five Nebraska defenders to a first down and then fell on his own fumble. Uh, if we're talking about offensive players who I just get personally excited about, I think Russell is leading the pack oh, right now. I love him so much. 
And you can tell Mel Tucker does too. He is so yeah. consistent in his physicality. He's so consistent in his quality. He, he's this, probably the, one of the best blockers on the team. And if he can catch passes like he has the first two games, he, that is a, it's more than just a former walk-on, feel-good story, physical player, blocks well, um, which is already impressive. It, it is a legitimate top three tight end in the conference, I think. Yeah, I remember, I mean, other than the Stanford roster, who probably have the top three just on their bench. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I remember watching Brady Russell for the first time in like the preseason fall camps last year. And everyone was just like, who the hell is 38? Who is that guy? And everybody was talking about just, I don't know, he just makes plays. Yeah. He's amazing. I mean, he, he just beat out an Auburn transfer for the starting tight end position. And yeah, Auburn has a NFL aspirations. Well, an Auburn transfer that I should say, I still am like pretty high on. An Auburn transfer that all of us should be pretty high on. He caught the first yeah. touchdown of the year for CSU or for CU against CSU. He yesterday was blocking pretty well. They still play together a lot in two tight end sets, which, oh my God, I love two tight end sets. But Brady Russell has just completely dominated that position in terms of snaps because you can put him out in any formation. You can put him out there on running plays, passing plays, and you know he's going to be a positive. You know he's going to do his job, and that's such a huge deal. So on that drive, Brady Russell does that huge uh, catch and carry. Then Jaron Mangum's touchdown run, he seals the block. He gets just enough chip on the linebacker so Jaron Mangum can stiff arm and walk into the end zone. Um, and that's when I, I guess, I didn't think that CU was going to win, but I at least knew because of how the defense was playing that CU was going to get back into the game. Yeah, and then the the defensive drive after that, I believe, Alex uh, Changum. Is it Changum or Tachingum? I, I say Changum. I don't okay. know. I think it's Changum. He uh, he was starting because Carson Wells was out. Mm-hmm. And we thought Carson Wells would break out, but Changum appears to be breaking out earlier than we all thought, and he has a ton of potential. What he a got, big game he had. Yeah, he got two sacks back-to-back on that next drive. Well, and I, and I think he was the only he's the only offensive linebacker or outside linebacker, excuse me, fast enough to beat Adrian Martinez to the edge. I, I think that was a big adjustment they had as well was um, Changum was, would, would string Martinez out on those QB runs or those, or those um, scrambles to where he wasn't getting the six, eight-yard runs he was getting in the first half. He mm-hmm. was getting out of bounds or throwaway in the second half. He was uncomfortable, I should say. And that's how you, that's how you pressure without losing containment. He was, his his athleticism was such a huge um, boon to this de- to this team. So the next drive after CU scores, they force a punt, um, pretty early punt actually, um, to where they have a they have a long field um, to go. And I believe this is where they downed at the fort, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the flea flicker. Yes. And we, we talked about it a little bit, but oh my God, what a that that is the play that people are going to remember. That could mm-hmm. go down depending on the season goes. Is one of the best plays that CU's had in the what last past ten years, fifteen years. Yeah, 2016 is a big asterisk. With any big plays, will probably Akello's interception has to go up there against Oregon. Yeah. Um, but plays in Folsom, that one, 
that's so I guess here's the funny story, right? That that's the play that I broke my glasses on. Um you broke I am your currently doing this podcast in blurry vision. Um, because I was after that play jumping up and down and the student section was already overflowing because of the sellout crowd. Um and basically we just globbed together and I got pushed enough times where my glasses got stuck on the back of my head. People were pinning into the back of my head. Um, pinning them together just snapped. Oh. <laughs> and then on press row for me, right when Montez threw that pass, I had my arm up in a fist. <laughs> and and why didn't waiting. kick you out? No, they didn't kick me out, even though I was very emotive during that game. That play oh. – Steven Montez threw that ball perfectly despite the safety coming, screaming at him. And he started celebrating while the pass was in the air. Which is also important. I love that for a quarterback. Yeah. Katie Nixon found the ball, caught the ball, and had the wherewithal to instead of trying to outrun the safety, to, to turn the opposite direction the safety was going, which made it super easy to break that tackle. And then the safety just gave up and was just pissed. Cam Taylor Britt, who said before the game that CU had targets on their heads over the quote-unquote dirty play last year. That was him? Was the one that whipped on that tackle, yes. Oh, I love karma. Yeah, that is karma. He is also, and we won't mention this, the man who knocked the ball out of LaVisca's hands during the kick return. Mm. Um, but he missed that tackle, and he is a very large part of the reason that CU came back because that is a momentum play. Um, and I would be remiss if – while we're waxing poetic about this team in the second half, I didn't mention that um, just the mentality this team had in the second half, right? CU scores on this huge play, this momentum-changing play. Half the stadium is dead silent, Nebraska fans. Half the stadium is out of their minds. The very next play, Nebraska scores. And I'm thinking, oh, that's the most CU thing of all time. The 75-yard swing pass to Maurice Washington. To, who, to the man-facing felony child porn possession charges. Yes, Maurice Washington. Distribution charges, I thought. Distribution, yeah. Uh, the man whose court, court date got delayed from this year, this week. Um, so we don't know if he's guilty or innocent, but we do know that he is facing felony charges. Um, takes a swing pass and just turns on the Jets. Aaron Maddox takes a horrible, horrible angle on the sideline. It's been rough for Maddox. Yeah. Well, it's been boomer bust, I think. Well, I okay. Think, He's been he has like eighteen tackles or whatever. I think if you put Aaron Maddox in the box, he does fine. Okay. I think if you bring him near the line of scrimmage, he does okay. But when you ask him to cover, like he was the cover man on the JD Spielman long touchdown in the first half. Oh yeah. He was the man who missed that tackle on Maurice Washington. If you ask him to do a safety's job, a, a free safety's job rather than a strong safety's job, he gets lost in this defense. We replaced Afalabi Laguda with Afalabi Laguda. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> How long until he gets a targeting call? Because it took Afalabi Laguda two games. <laughs> <laughs> and then he got another one right after that. Yep. And they got one in Washington State. He got a whole bunch. Um, but that Maurice Washington touchdown had all the potential in the world to shut down that CU team because that is a momentum play after CU just made a momentum play, right? That sucks the air that you just created out. It's, it's like you blowing up a really big balloon and then someone comes in and pops that balloon right away. The last thing you want to do is blow Great up Great analogy, balloon. Jack. Because Nebraska uses balloons for their touchdowns? I know. Oh, wow. I didn't even – wow, incredible. 
<laughs> like the last thing you want to do is blow up another balloon because you just did that. But, but this is where I'm giving Mel Tucker credit. Um, someone said, I forgot where I saw this or who, which CU fan saw this, but someone said that on the broadcast, they saw Steven Montez. They, they guess they panned to Steven Montez after that touchdown. And I guess if you read his lips or you see what he says, he just says, all right, let's go score another one. Nice. Um, and that's the mentality I think that Mel Tucker has. So many players have mentioned it where it, during this halftime speech, he did not get angry, Right. There was no fire in brimstone. It was quiet confidence where he just said, I know that we are better than what we just showed. And I know that they are worse than what they just showed. They gave us our be- their best shot. We have not given them their- our best shot. So let's go do that. And I guess that's that the consistency in message, I guess, is resonating so well with this team where they can just come out in the second half. They don't have butterflies. There, there, there is no um, – uh, well, I guess worry, I guess like there, there's no cracked ice that they're w- worried about walking on where I, where I, whereas I felt over the last six years, and this is not necessarily McIntyre's fault, but with a talent deficit, I, and I think the team was also worried at any point in time, a lead could be squandered because the other team could just figure it out. Right. And now like, we are the other team that's figuring it out. I feel like with McIntyre, this is unfair to McIntyre, obviously, <laughs> Because I don't know him, but I feel like for them, if they made a mistake, he would be the coach to like not really make eye contact with them on the well, sidelines. We saw it on the sidelines, right? We saw it in 2016 where he shook Joe Tumpkin loose because of something that went wrong. We saw it in 2015 when he couldn't call the timeout and he couldn't figure out how to go up to the ref to call a timeout at the end of the first half against UCLA, which would have set up a field goal with a touchdown. Like was that that UCLA game? That was when he called the. The fake field goal passed no. to Stefano, no? That was 2017. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, You're getting my other favorite coaching we, memory. We, we saw it in a few spots where – and this is – we don't want to make this bag on McIntyre season. He did such a good job of taking us from the, the exact the, – the crater to above ground, which is the hardest part of any program, I yeah. think. Um, but there, there were, I, he was not, he was a reactionary game day coach, right? He would spend timeouts yelling at the refs. He would, uh, do things because he, he felt something in the moment. Um, whereas I think Mel Tucker's consistency in demeanor and in message is paying off in a big way in comparison, at least. And also I hope Brian Lindgren isn't calling the offense. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, CU is somehow fourth in offensive efficiency despite that first half um, on the that. season. Um, so, anyways, th- I think that that turn is where that shows. One play, 96-yard touchdown for CU. Momentum's on this side. One play, 75-yard touchdown for Nebraska. All that momentum's taken away. And, it's, and instead of playing timid, which I think Nebraska did the second half, in, instead of trying uh, to get all those points back at once. I love that they came back and just, just kept their, basically kept their offensive plan. They, they were so confident in their um, leaning on the Nebraska team that they just kept doing what they were doing, which I loved. So this next, next drive, drive, the next drive, um, Fontenot, takes over pretty much, gets the first run, nice gain, gets that sweet one-handed 
behind his behind his uh body catch. I forgot about that. that one. Yeah, which was great adjustment. Gets the first down. And then we get the broken play. Steven Montez keeping the play alive, trusting his O-line. Pass to Jalen Jackson for 60 yards or whatever it was. Are Nebraska fans screaming about the missed holding call? Uh, I'm sure they're screaming about a lot of things. Um, <laughs> on that play, <laughs> maybe. They're mostly um, screaming at each other on that, about the game. What I was pleasantly surprised with is the amount of Nebraska fans that are responding to other Nebraska fans or Scott Frost saying, we lost the game because CU outcoached or outplayed us in the second half, not because mm-hmm. of any ref shenanigans, blah, blah, blah. I was yeah, pleasantly surprised by true. that. And walking out of the stadium, I, I mean, it's a different breed, right? I, I think Nebraska fans in person were lovely to me walking in and walking out for the most part. But something about Go Big Red Online is just a cesspool. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think they're two different sets of people. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. Um, the Jalen Jackson pass. That was what, 60-ish yards? And, well, they got another 20 yards because Brady Brussel had a huge block downfield. Oh, yeah. Um, of course. And then discuss the Mangum play. Well, yeah, it's, so similar to what we just said, Nebraska's defense is tired at this point. Um, Nebraska's defense is has been, been pushed around in the second half. And um, Jay Johnson, as you know, I love the, menta- the running mentality. Um, if you are in the red zone and you don't feel like you can run the ball into the end zone, I don't feel like you deserve that touchdown. Um, and that's me being an old man. But I feel like within 10 yards, you have four tries to run the ball for 10 yards. And if you can't do that, then I don't think you get the touchdown. CU needs one try. Um, Jaron Mangum lines up. They have a nice little Brady Russell motion, motion back to kind of figure out what the, the alignment is. He lines up, just knocks Muhammad Berry off the, off the ball, off the play. Everyone does their blocking assignments. Jaron Mangum waltzes in. It was Beautiful perfect touchdown. blocking everyone. Mm-hmm. Flawless. Matt McChesney broke it down play by play. It was good. Yes, which he is also – he is more excited than I am at this. And he also knows cool terms like ace and like uh, fancy scissor blocks and blah, 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 blah. Um, all I that know is – The former Barnett era defensive lineman. And former starting Miami Dolphin offensive lineman. Yep. Um, and New York Jet offensive lineman. Um, but – God, that's just – that is what I want to see because that to me is is when you have altitude and you have conditioning, running teams until they quit, running on teams until they quit is such a huge weapon. It's basically Tad Boyle playing football. That's – God, what an analogy, Sam. <laughs> it is basically Tad Boyle playing football. I can only relate things through basketball. Especially through Tad Boyle. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about. Evan Batty being the best person ever. Uh, I saw him today. How was he? Still great? He got hit in the face playing picket basketball, and then he left. And then I said, bye, Evan, and then he turned and waved. Was he hurt? No, he just didn't want to. I mean, if you get hit, popped in the face playing pickup, you should probably quit. Smart. Generally. I agree. Um so next drive, another huge momentum shift towards CU. Uh, Mustafa Johnson strip sacks Martinez. NJ followed, sorry, Nuomotu Fallo um, had his second fumble recovery of the game, which he has been surprisingly solid this year. Yes, I've been really happy with him. I'm also yeah. rooting for him personally. 
what I mean, that is a he's been on campus for like 20 years now, and that's a huge success story given what a knucklehead he was his his freshman year. Um, mm-hmm. I think he really has matured. Um, but he's around the ball. He grabs he grabs the the he just falls on the ball. And I'm thinking at this point, oh, they see you at short field. They're going to just run the ball down their throats. See you's going to score a touchdown. They're going to take the lead. That is not what happened. Um, this is uh, basically Mangum has a nice first down run. Uh, Montez tries the end zone incomplete. And then third, the third down, third down, and I think long third down, third down, and eight, blah, blah, blah. Um, Montez rolls out. I'm thinking he's going for LaVisca, who's also running to where he's rolling out. But he throws a nice little pass to Dimitri Stanley, who is wide open and does another great one-handed grab. Mm-hmm. Set up first and goal, which is another huge, huge play. Um, and that guy, he got a few touches against Nebraska, but I think he's really going to break out in the next few weeks because he has some speed, man. If not this year, next year. No, he's. Gonna, I think he's going to break out this year. Okay. I, I think there's enough there's enough balls to go around and they had him a uh, few times on the on the jet sweeps today. Love love when your fourth or fifth best receiver can be a breakout player that year. <laughs> and well the other thing that we didn't mention is he had no chances to return punts because it was always fair caught. But I mm. think he is a dynamite punt returner. Wasn't KD Nixon punt returner? Uh they switched back and forth. Okay. So the one punt I was really watching intently, K D was it. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. So uh, Nebraska blows up a, a run play. We run to the, we turn to the Visca Wildcat, tried and true on second and goal, and he drags people to the three yard line. Just completely drags their defense. He should have gotten another touch after that. I completely agree. I think he was hurting a bit this whole game, but especially mm-hmm. after that. Um, so they're trying to preserve him a little bit. Um, but yes, I think just go back at him again. He would have he would have dragged them to the end zone. Um. But he trucked Eric Lee, Valor Christian, or not Valor, Pine Creek. No, I thought Eric no, Lee was from Longmont. Eric Lee played at Valor. Um, he dragged I former, former I've, Valor I've, Christian I've player. I'm someone else from Longmont. Um, just trucked him on the way on his way to the three yard line. Um, and then we did what I think was Jay Johnson's worst play call of the day, which was a quick uh, back shoulder fade to Tony Brown on third and goal. It was also just a bad throw. Yeah flat throw, but I don't think you need to throw the ball. You are running it down their throats. Do it again with LaVisca. Also, do it again with Mangum. Do it again with Fontenot. Just do it we're with missing, someone. We're missing a play here. The one throwaway pass that you kind of brushed aside. I believe that was a fade in the end zone to LaVisca Chenault. And it was a very clear pass interference. I think you're thinking of the pass in overtime. Yes, I am. Thank you. Sorry about yep. that. So... I don't know. Just run the ball. Whatever. See you says for a field goal. It's tied up at this point. We have a game. Yeah, it's 24-24 um, at this point in case you're not following super tightly. And then um, in the worst possible scenario, basically uh, Nebraska takes their time, moves down the field in, in a three-minute drive, and with – I think less than six minutes left from the fourth. Martinez does a quarterback run um, in the in for a touchdown on a, on a fourth and goal. Which I'm thinking at this point, that was a final blow. 
that's going to be tough to come back from because I'm pessimistic during the it game. It was fourth and inches from the six, by the way. Right. Not fourth and goal. Okay, well. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. He scored. So, Martinez scores. It's 31-24. There's less than six minutes left. I don't know if CU can do this. And they put together, in my opinion – I was confident. This next drive, in my opinion, is the best, like, complete drive they put together this this game. There are – the Flea Flickers are better play. Obviously, they're better scorers. Are you talking about Nebraska or CU? CU. You're missing the Louisville Chanel kickoff. Oh, is that the next play? Yeah. So, the very next play, Louisville Chanel got it on the kickoff. Reminded us why he – like, I don't know why he doesn't get more kickoffs because he's insane. He found the crease, started going. Yeah, 50-yard line. And then he was about to truck someone, and then he didn't even see the guy coming up behind him who stripped the ball yes, from him. Cam Taylor Britt, yeah. Um, Nebraska recovers. Which, and another thing, Nebraska got a sideline penalty because Scott Frost put himself into the pile. <laughs> um, so that was, another, that was a they – that set him back 15 He's yards. He's such a villain. He's such a good villain. So it was first and 25. Um, no, sorry, it wasn't first. It was first and 10, but it was 15 yards back, so they're on the 28. Um, another sack for CU. Uh, Maurice Washington does a nothing run, and then they do a nice run on, on third and whatever it was. Uh, Nate Lamman throws down Adrian Martinez uh, after a nice five-yard gain or whatever, and then they punt it off. So it's now... I believe how much time is left in the fourth? Less About than four, four minutes. minutes. Three, four minutes. Yeah. Wait, hang and, on. What? Is that correct? Yes. It started with three minutes and thirty-three seconds left in the fourth. Okay, then we're good. This is the best drive. This was a masterclass from Jay Johnson. Yes. And frankly, Stephen Montez. So, um, drive starts out with a loss which is terrible, like a jet sweep loss. Tony Brown gets thrown down by a defensive lineman. Then we just have slow, consistent gains, little chunk plays to get to where we need to go. Katie Nixon does a nice nifty play where he catches on the sideline. CU hustles up to the side. Uh, CU hustles up. They use sporadic tempo. So Nebraska doesn't have anyone set up, if you remember that. So mm-hmm. Katie Nixon was wide open because there wasn't a cornerback on that side of the field. <laughs> Mm. So, CU gets a nice 12-yard gain because Nebraska's caught unawares. Uh, we use LaVisca Wildcat to get the first down again. Third and two. Um, was it third and two? Third and two. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Brady Russell consistently goes for a sideline catch, eight yards, with really a quick play. Um, and then Steven Montez, I forgot who he passed it to. I think this was a attempt for... I think this was LaVisca. Incomplete. Uh, third and two, Alex Fontenot runs up the gut, doesn't get it. I'm thinking LaVisca Wildcat on fourth and one. They do a QB sneak. Steven Montez backs sneak, up. QB sneaks are successful like 95% of the time. <laughs> Especially, Especially on the 200-pound quarterback. The patented John Embry first down QB sneak was successful 100% of the time. The what? The patented John Embry first down QB sneak. <laughs> if you remember that, I have blocked this out of my memory, and I don't. No one expects the first down QB sneak. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <laughs> okay. Montez gets the touch, the, the first down. They cross the 50-yard line. I'm thinking they will at least have a shot. Um, another quick another. By quick the way, pass. this ahead. whole time I was on the Nebraska sideline on the opposite 20, so I could barely see anything. How did you get down there? Well, you have, we have press access to the sideline. Wow. That was really fun. Pre-game and then the final four minutes of the game or sideline. Okay. Did you, was yeah. there anything did you, that you noticed? Um, well, I was just surrounded by Nebraska people. Oh, but you weren't like by coaches or anything. Yeah, and then I couldn't really see anything from where I was. Well, so also from the student section, I couldn't tell what happened. Okay. Um, and the fateful play that we're about to go to. The fateful play, I didn't even see. I just heard the stadium go silent. Okay, go ahead. So Katie Nixon across the middle. Nice, nice long completion. I thought it was a first down. Um, but they, they give him a, a, a nine-yard gain. Jared Mangum um, does a nice 10-yard gasher up the middle. Again, just these nice little chunk plays. I thought Jay Johnson had a beautiful call. Like, who calls a run with 54 seconds left? <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, nice gasher. Um, and then the faithful play, almost the exact same play that CU beat Nebraska on last year. Love the pettiness. I, I really do. Um, Steven Montez recognizes one-on-one press coverage on the outside. This time it was with Tony Brown said LaVisca Chanel. He steps back. He does his nice little back foot. He lifts his leg. You know how he always lifts his foot up when he knows it's going to be a good ball? Mm-hmm. He lifts his back foot up when he knows it's going to be a pretty ball. Love that. It's like the shooter holding his uh, his hand up. Yes, exactly. Tony Brown is a half step on, um, I think it's DiCaprio Boodle, the best-named player on Nebraska, DiCaprio Boodle. <laughs> um, Steven Montez throws a beautiful ball, drops it in. Tony gets both feet in. Tony two-tap, both feet in somehow, grabs it, Keeps possession, touchdown. From my angle, I'm sure from your angle, I thought he dropped it. I thought it was an incomplete pass. I could, I just couldn't see anything. And then, and then people started cheering. The band started cheering. Ref puts his hands up. It is pandemonium again. People are freaking out. And another person who deserves recognition, Tony Brown, dropped that touchdown in the previous, in the other end zone, in the first half. In fairness, he was very, very, very contested. And he was going into the sun. He was looking back into the sun. Yeah. It was, I, I wouldn't have expected anyone to make that But count. the redemption story, Sam. Okay. Drops the end, drops down the other end zone, saves the game for CU. Stefano nails the extra point. This point, I know it's overtime, right? We yeah. know it's overtime. Scott Frost. Or there was, what, 50 seconds left? Yes. I'm still sketched out a little bit. So Scott Frost throws a nice little pass down the middle. I'm thinking, great, nine yards down the middle. That's fine. We'll take the, we'll take the, the timing off the clock. Um, incomplete pass, completely just over. I mean, Martinez just threw it away. Um, and then they run for a first down, which I thought was an interesting pick. Again, I'm thinking, okay, you'll take the four yards, whatever. We'll take the time off the clock. Uh, CU calls a timeout to get aligned, and then this I thought for sure Miller brought this back for a field goal, but Chris Miller runs the route better than the the wide receiver does for Nebraska, intercepts Martinez's long ball, and returns it until it turns out that he was down. 
But what a pick. Oh, my God. Completely just called that play. Yeah, and this is why we've always been expecting Chris Miller to be a star, and he probably will be. I, I think he's he's earned more playing. He had a great game on Saturday, but I think he'll earn yeah. more playing time as he gets healthier. Oh, that and was, Mackay Blackman. Mackay Blackman is a blitzer. Okay. Yes. I like the secondary. He's a bulldog. Mackay Blackman is a bulldog. All right. So we're moving um, on to overtime, and then – which was thankfully short because here's a fun yeah. fact for you. Hang on a second. Hold on. I want to bring the, my story into this. Okay. That we were on the Nebraska sideline over on mm-hmm. the 20-yard line closest to the Dow Ward Center. Mm-hmm. But the overtime was going to start on the opposite side. And then so all of the writers were just like, now what are we going to do? Like, how do we even see this? And then God bless Adam Munster Tiger of 24-7 Sports. He started moving following all the cameramen. And as all sports writers should do, we all followed Adam. Yeah. And then he took us into basically the back of the end zone. Wow. Which was fantastic to yeah. see the end from there. Wow. Yeah. So Nebraska gets the ball first, I believe, right? Or no? Yes. So you did. Are you sure about that? Yes. 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 What are you talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you did. Um, you're right. See, so you get the ball first. Um, Nebraska, sorry, Nebraska won the coin toss. That's what I meant. Nebraska wins the coin toss. Obviously, two seconds because that's what you want. Once again, calls football overtime. Best overtime rules in sports. Sudden death. All nails. All grit. So, see, you get the first crack at it. Um. Chenault has a beautiful pass over the middle that's negated by a ineligible player downfield penalty, which I have yet to see again. I don't know how you call that in overtime, but whatever. I'm biased. Um, so it's second and it's first and fifteen now. I'm thinking, okay, they're just gonna play for the field goal. Fontenot has a ridiculous run that showcases his balance, which I think is his best trait. Where he's on the sideline for what seems like ten seconds. He's at like five – he gets a five-yard gain, spins out of it, 10-yard gain, spins out of it the other way, another five yards to get the first down. Um, and then we get to a pretty weird sequence. So LaVisca Wildcat, which I think is a great play, goes nowhere, gets, loses yards, right? I'm following. Yeah. So we try another pass. I, I've – Shoot, who is this pass to? Was this a, yes, it was a Stanley. Steven Montez is scrambled out of the pocket. Those are to Stanley. This is a um, second and 15 because we lost the yardage. Goes nowhere. Third and 15, single coverage to Chenault. Everyone in the stadium knows where the ball is going. They throw the fade to Chenault. Nebraska defensive back never looked at the ball, just impedes LaVisca's path to the ball. Still a no call. I have yet. I do not know how you don't call that penalty. It's a very like as clear cut of a pass interference as you can be, considering those rules. So I I, I figured that was automatic first down. They don't call anything. So now I'm freaking out because we're farther back than I'd like to be for this field goal. Thankfully, no, James, James Stefano's money. He was never gonna miss. James Stefano kicked his age, 34 yard field goal. <laughs> He's 32. Right down the uprights. Just complete down the middle. 
I, and I honestly, the weirdest part is I was more pessimistic at the end of the, the game than I was at this one because I knew the defense was going to – the defense had been stepping up all half. I was, I was worried. I thought there would be some bullshit Adrian Martinez scramble that turned into a touchdown. <laughs> you mean like Brett Hundley in 2014? Yes. These in are the all-time have... favorite CU overtime game? I am, I'm broken. The My game favorite. that – the game that hurt Tedrick Thompson made Michael Atkins a star, and then uh, Brett Hundley walked in. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to think about those old teams. They broke my brain. I'm trying to forget them. You think UCLA would hire Jim Mora back? You know, I don't want to talk about UCLA. All right, I've been I've been breaking down every play of the second half. Why don't you take this last possession, the most important possession? The last possession. I don't remember that well. Um, <laughs> I think first play, what, was a run for a one-yard game? Mm-hmm. Or did they lose yards on a penalty, then move up? No, no, it was just okay. a stuff. Second, stuff up the middle. All right, stuff up the middle. Uh, second and nine was the, what happened, just an incomplete pass? Uh, just, another, just another short run. Another this short one run. was a string out, though. This one was a string out. See, this is why you've been doing play-by-play. I was there purely emotionally and haven't looked at the tape since. So, so they went. They went to the outside. The, <laughs> the play got strung out. Um, just a one-yard gain. Blah blah blah. Okay, and then on the third down, they yep. they kind of had the bot snap, and then as Adrian Martinez was picking it up, Mustafa Johnson blew past the right guard on a stunt. Yep. And then took down, dragged down Adrian Martinez. Dove at his leg and just swiped at it, too. It, it wasn't like it was a super – I thought Martinez could have stepped out of that, but I guess I don't know how big yeah. Mustafa's biceps are. <laughs> he – uh, boy, yeah. He just knifed his double team, broken in half, and then as he was falling down, got Martinez to the ground, which was huge, huge. And then go ahead and finish it off, Sam. Yeah, oh, well, please. Nebraska, their starting kicker, was out. And they were using their punter, who on a 26-yard field goal earlier, the punter was very sketchy, barely made the 26-yarder. Mm-hmm. And everyone who knew that it was the punter knew that there was no way they were going to make the 48-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. I was still sketched out because I'm a CU fan who has grown up with horrible years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. And then they lined up, and immediately off his foot, it was going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then it drizzled down so peacefully to the, to the ground. <laughs> and everybody started celebrating. I didn't know what to do, so I took off my press pass, put it in my pocket, and started running onto the field with the studio. <laughs> That kick was so blimpy that I I think students were on the field before it hit the ground. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That was great. It it didn't have the leg, didn't have the accuracy. There's no way it was going anywhere. So I'm following Evan Batty on the field. Yeah. I'm going down. I'm watching the few Nebraska fans that were brave enough to sit in the student section walk up. They were visibly upset. Uh, one of them may have pushed me as I was coming down the stairs. <laughs> um, I'm following Evan Batty as a battering ram, batter, batty earring ram. Mm-hmm. Um, we, it is, uh, that was, I've been, I was part of the, I was also at the ASU field storming. I was also at the Utah field storming. I was, I was at, That was the last game I went to as a fan. I was at the Arizona basketball court storming, Arizona State basketball court storming. 
that one was the best because it wasn't just the students that were sprinting on there. If I had a nickel for every salt and pepper 50-year-old guy who was on the verge of tears as, <laughs> as they were celebrating being the, the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, oh, my God. The entire fan base just erupted, erupted. Mm-hmm. God, that was fun. Man, that I was, was fun. I was running around trying to hug whoever I could. And then, of course, I ran into Evan Batty because he's six foot eight. Right. And then I gave him a hug and told you, I told him I love you. And he said it back because he's just a lovable guy. Yeah, he said it. Yeah, he hugged me back. And then he said that I love you too on Twitter, not on in real life. I was so going to introduce myself to him today at Pickup Basketball and say that that was me on the Twitter account. But I, I got nervous. I'll talk to him soon. So after the game, um, <laughs> I see Spencer Dinwiddie. I see Andre Roberson back in town for that. Hell yeah. It was lovely. All kinds um, of recruits in basketball and football were there. Huge, huge basketball recruits were in town. Um, I'm sure Dinwiddie was a huge part of the win emotionally, as he always was. I love, I love the culture of the basketball program. Tad Boyle just knows oh. how to keep a family together. That's, what, that's my hopes for – Mel Tucker is that he's a culture coach just like that. And he also stays 10 years. Please stay 10 years. Please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> and so Nebraska or CU upsets a ranked opponent for the first time in, I don't know how long McIntyre never upset a ranked opponent. Are you serious? Yep. CU won beat ranked opponents, but never as an unranked. Okay. Well, ASU in 2016, ASU was 20. Yeah, they were they were ranked coaches poll. poll. You're right, they were because ranked coaches poll. They were trash. I don't know who ranked them. This is why coaches shouldn't have votes. Yeah. Well, whatever. Nebraska still has not scored a point in overtime in five years. Um, <laughs> oh no! Scott Frost falls to 0-2 against CU. Um, Scott Frost has never won a game on the road. Um, another great stat. Scott Frost's records through 14 games. Scott Frost's record through 14 UCF, games as head coach in Nebraska. UCF same, still hasn't lost a game since yep. he left. He has the same record through 14 games as Mac, Mike McIntyre did through 14 <laughs> games. Oh, no. Um, and he got he is getting paid about two and a half times as much. Um, after the game, Muhammad Barry says that Nebraska was the better team, at least in the first half. Um, Scott Frost says that his quarterback has to make a play. Adrian Martinez, I think, was very mature and said that he did have to make a play. I thought he had a great press. I am, I like Adrian Martinez. I, I legitimately like Adrian Martinez. I think he's too. a good leader. He, um, he, he and Kenny Bell are on the 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 two Nebraska players I really like. The, on the other side, um, Mel Tucker gets. Oh, a, you don't a want to take my bait and talk about Kenny Hill. I love Kenny, Kenny Bell. Bell. The only reason he's not at CU is because Dan Hawkins didn't recruit him, despite yeah. living in Boulder. And going to Fairview. Uh, he's so, so cool. I love Kenny Bell. Okay, I, and the best wide receiver block in history. Yeah. Okay. So Mel Tucker's press conference gets him – makes him more fans. I, I was like fan, I don't know if you've watched it yet. Or you were probably there, yeah. weren't you? I, well, I mean, I wasn't – I don't like going to the press conferences. Okay. I was trying to come up with words because I, I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. My yeah. recap was just like 10 sentences that weren't related. <laughs> it was just emotional blabbering. It was. Yeah. So Mel Tucker comes out there and 
um, to basically talk to 15 minutes about how he never lost faith in the game. Like he knew he was going to win the game, even in the first half basically says all the right things. Um, just complete makes everyone fall in love all over again. It's what's, what's happening. Why does he do this to us? <laughs> um, and, and that ends the Saturday, one of the best Boulder Saturdays I can remember. Cause yeah. man, what a game. What a finish. And, and we'll, I mean, we'll always have that. That is, that is something that CU fans will always have. I'm really upset. You know that, that, that screenshot of the high school player saying, I got to admit, they, I thought they had us in the first half. Yeah, they had us in the first half, not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I really sh- I should have just tweeted that. That would have been great. I'm mad. Ugh. Man, yeah. what a game. Missed opportunities. And now he's 2-0. Yep. With a legit opportunity to start four and zero, five and zero, even. Don't you dare! Well, let's talk about the like schedule, that. okay? Let's start with the next game. Because, hang on a second. So, I don't want things to come crashing down, and I don't know if they will because it looks like at UCLA should be a pretty easy win, mm-hmm. and that would make this impossible. But starting five and zero and then finishing five and seven would be so CU. That I mean, funny. Oregon State was the easiest win possible last year, Sanders. Yes. Or Sam. That game didn't happen, and I don't know what you're talking about. But, yes, okay. I made myself sad again. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> okay, let's talk. Okay, next week is Air Force. Air Force, which – Let's abbreviate this because we've been on here for an hour already talking – Hot take, Air Force might be the best team CU has played so far. That's not a hot take. They are solid. I don't know how much you know about Air Force. I just um, know they're good. But they are an option team. And yes. option teams are always tricky. CU luckily has a few tricks up the sleeve to face the option. They've Number been one, practicing against it for months. Yes, which is obviously smart. Smart move by Tucker. Tucker faced Georgia Tech, which is a different option, but still option football for three straight years. Um, Tyson Summers was a defensive coordinator at CSU the last year they beat Air Force, um, which was 2015. So he has faced Air Force option before. And Chris Kapilovich um, uh, was on North Carolina staff when um, in the ACC when they faced Georgia Tech for, I believe, eight years. Um, so I'm sure he has some few things as well. But there, there's a lot of little things that CU has, just that just historical knowledge of the option, where I feel a little more confident. But still the option. They have a great quarterback running it in Donald Hammond, um, who is pretty pretty young. He came on last year halfway through. But, man, is he solid in decision-making. I love triple option so much. I miss it. I'm very excited to watch this game because it's going to be two offenses I love. It's the pistol and triple option. Oh, yes. Um, and they also have a, a burner at a tailback, a running back um, in, in Caden Remsburg. He is a freaky fast guy, so you cannot let him get to the edge. Um, but like usual, they have a you know four-pronged rushing attack, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the difference is this year on defense, because of Service Academy's limits going away, they have some big dudes up front. Um so the starting nose guard is a guy named Moses Fafita. I think oh, my God. Right? I love him he already. Is, he is 6'1", 310. <laughs> um, Shout out is, to Josh Tupau. Yes. 
Exactly. Shout out to Josh Tupo and Jalen Sammy, who had another quietly solid game. Yeah, he's um, bigger though. Moses Fafita is a, basically a fire plug in the middle, um, and he's bigger than any t- line, lineman they've had previously. Um, their line on the offensive side is averaging around 280 pounds, which is bigger than whatever they've had before. Um, but they're still going to chop block, chop block as well, which is uh, unfortunate. So they're bigger um, up but front than they have been. Balance, we, we really need to hope that Jalen Stammy does not crush someone to death on accident. <laughs> Via chop block. There's a little, uh, just a little swamp from Super Mario's. Um, <laughs> we need to, we need to light some candlelight vigils for uh, Mustafa Johnson's knees. So their secondary is their weakness. Air Force, um, as usual, they they want the athletes to keep up with the Chenault, um, but CU's offense obviously needs to get on the field for that to matter, um, and that's that's on stopping the option. Uh, they have some great names on this team. I'm looking right now. Their free safety is named Jeremy Fegedellum. <laughs> and their backup is named Valentino Espinoza. Um, their tight end is named Cade Wagaspak. Oh, my Wagespec. God. I, I saw someone wearing a 15 jersey, like a Barnett-era 15 jersey yeah. at the game. And I was like, who who was the best fifteen ever in CU history? Like I don't remember was who it Kloppenstein? was. Kloppenstein. No, Kloppenstein wore eighty nine. That's right. Um, and I thought Jason Espinoza. <laughs> it was not Jason Espinoza. Espinoza Island. It was a Jeremy Bloom jersey. Oh, that makes a little more sense. Yeah. So Air Force is exactly what you're expecting to be. They're but they're upgraded. They're a souped up version. They have a good decision making quarterback. They got a burner at running back. They have a solid tailback down the middle, and they're bigger on the lines than they have been before. Um, so it's going to be a pretty good test, and the, the line reflects that. CU is only three-and-a-half-point favorites, um, whereas opposed to CSU – I guess the CSU game, they were, I think, 14-point favorites. Um, and the Nebraska game, they were three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Um, I think CU wins. Um, I think that the experience they have defending the option does enough – um, and I think they get Air Force in a hole, and it's always hard to climb out of a hole as an option. Does it, does it make much of a difference that Nate Landman is in the middle and he's going to be really good making downhill plays? Well, CU has been stout this year anyways in the middle run. It's the yeah. edges that have killed them. That, um, that, I noticed that against Nebraska. They could not run up the middle for shit. Yeah, so it's it's always going to be the it's going to be the edges with this team, and with the option that's even more pronounced because that is an edge running offense. How disciplined can Davion Taylor be, having never seen the option before? He's going to be huge. I think new Omotu new Omotu Fallow is going to play a lot of uh, snaps because he mm-hmm. can, he can play the run pretty well, and I think yeah. he plays good assignment football. I think this is the type of game where you put Aaron Maddox in the box if you even play two safeties and just say find the ball carrier and tee off. Because um, I don't think you're too worried about some over-the-top passing, um, especially with Onu back there patrolling. I yeah, don't know. So, well, we're we're at a point where CU's sketchiest against the pass and to the the the, yeah. the edges. Yep. So this could be a time where like shore up the edges because everything else seems like solid. Like they're not going to take advantage of CU's weaknesses that badly. That the hope is that CU learns how to start like they finish, <laughs> or at least start half as good as they finish. And they're they're not underestimating Air Force. 
No, absolutely not. I don't think that would be a problem this early into Tucker's tenure anyways. Okay, I think that that's, that's a major step because this felt like a trap game. Um, knowing that Nebraska was just right there, that was the emotional high. That's a gutsy win, emotional win. And then Arizona State is next week. Conference play starts, yeah. Yeah, on the road too. CU has two things going for it. Um, One, CU also has yet to leave the state, which is huge. Um, So it's all home field practice. They can get in a groove. Um, And CU really has no injuries as of yet, which is pretty knock on wood lucky. Um, Jarek Broussard had a knee surgery, so he'll be out for the foreseeable future. Um, but I don't know if how much run he was going to get. Start as what a freshman running back for our audience yes. who might yep. not know the four D. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> um, I think on offense you're going to see a lot of tight ends against Air Force because I don't know if they have anyone who's big enough and fast enough to cover someone like that. For instance, Jalen Harris is the type of athlete that I don't think Air Force can match. Lucas no. is the type of athlete I don't think Air Force can match. Um, those are just big dudes who are also fast and run hard. So it'll be a fun game. I think it'll be relatively close or at least Daniel Arias. It'll be interesting to see if he plays. It'll be interesting to see if he plays. He'll definitely play on special teams. He's what? A six, four receiver. Yes. Six, four. Yeah. Big playability. Well, my, my I bet I'm predicting CU wins by 10 points. I'm predicting a comfortable 10 point win by the end of the fourth. Yeah, Sam? I'll go with that. 10-point win? I'll go 13-point win. Why not? And I'd like to point out, if, if Mel Tucker starts 3-0 against three rivals. Is um, Air Force a rival? Yeah, Air Force is a rival. Says who? We've played them, what, 70 times? Okay, okay. I don't want to talk about the 1930s. We haven't played them in a long time, but that's because CU students were a little too overzealous on the Vietnam protests in the 70s. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why they stopped coming to Boulder. Big shout out. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be a one score win, two score win. That's slow. It's a, it's going to be a slow game, but man, those offenses are fun to watch. Um, now let's look ahead to the schedule just a little bit. Cause I like getting ahead of myself. Well, so, there is potential, quite a lot of potential for a five and start. Mm-hmm. There's, um, and by the way, pretty good chances at a bowl game right now. Mostly considering oh, this is stop it. trouble. Stop it! I know um, that the CU won their fifty-fifty game earlier early on. That was Nebraska, mm-hmm. and the Pac-12 South is dissolving before our eyes. Yep, turning into the Sun Belt West, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> Um, after Air Force is Arizona State on the road. Arizona the offense State, is awful. Arizona State is horrific, horrific on offense. Even though they have an NFL running back and NL Benjamin, they're starting a true freshman quarterback who's mm-hmm. not good. And against such powers as Sacramento State and who was it the week before? Uh, Kent State. Kent State, who almost lost, maybe lost to an FCS team last weekend. Mm -hmm. Arizona State put up 13 first-half points against those teams combined. Yikes. Yes. Uh, Yeah, I mean, their offensive line is not doing Jaden Daniels any favors either. They are worse than I thought they would be up front. 
thank God for Arizona State that their defense has been solid. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really say anything against Sacramento State. Shout out to John Embry. Um, but <laughs> more accurately, shout out to Christian Powell. That's right. Um, so, that, I mean, that's pretty winnable, even if winning in the desert is kind of hard to do. The week yeah. after that, the week after that is Arizona. Which has no defense. There is there is no defense. They allowed forty one points to Northern Arizona over the weekend. As well as forty two points to Hawaii. And they should have allowed sixty to Hawaii, but Hawaii had like five turnovers. They, they, think about this. Cole McDonald threw four touchdowns in that game and still got pulled because he threw four <laughs> interceptions. And they still scored 42 points. Arizona has no defense to speak of. And Khalil Tate, once again, looks like a shell of his former self. Kevin Sumlin has sucked the life out of him. Um, I mean, Khalil Tate is still sketchy, and he really loves to shit on CU. Well, but new coach. What? He, new coach, though. I mean, he, knows, he likes he to shit threw, on Mike McIntyre. Really? Like Does he like passes last? Oh, you're talking about Mel Tucker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mel Tucker's gone against better quarterbacks. So, as I said, I've said this for a long time. The season to me rests on that at Arizona State game. Yeah. If we if we walk into that game three and zero and then we win, that's four and zero with a road win against a middling Pac-12 opponent, which is something that has been very rare. And you are set up for success. Yes. All you have to do is beat Arizona at home, beat Stanford at home, or beat at UCLA on the road. Um, you know, get one of those three, two of those three, and you are bowling. And then if you pull an upset against Washington State or Washington. Washington Utah, State isn't going to happen. We should let it. Or maybe if Keaton Slovis isn't the god he pretends to be right now, USC at home, you know, there is opportunity USC there. would be would be that win. If you lose to Arizona State, the path to bowling gets harder because then you have to beat Arizona UCLA, you have five wins, and you have to pull an upset off or a win off where there is not one right away. Yeah. So we'll check up on USC and their true freshman starting quarterback for the second year in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, Can Clay Helton fall ass backwards into a new job because of a freshman quarterback? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also see if USC has collapsed at that point and has fired Clay Helton and then hired in someone who has the team. Head coach off. Graham Harrell. Head coach Graham Harrell. Stop pumping this. <laughs> um, They're going to hire Cliff King- Kingsbury from the Cardinals. From the Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that happening. No. Bring back Ron Zook. He belongs in college, damn it. Where is Ron Zook? Yeah, I think he's still at Green Bay as like the special team something. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. First things first. Are we done talking about special teams coaches? Sweep the non-conference. Please beat Air Force. They're the toughest one yet. Yeah, honestly, I think Air Force is tougher than Arizona State, than Arizona, than UCLA. I completely agree with that. Another another fun test coming up. We are seeing what Mel Tucker and his team is made of. And Paracel South is so bad. Yeah. Okay. Depending on USC's true freshman quarterback, we might be the second best team in the Pac-12 South by a comfortable margin, which is bad. You know, actually, you might be right. I would say at least most complete. 
No, I think uh, I might be right. If the defense, if the defense can put together forty-five minutes, even or or thirty-five minutes, compared to the thirty or twenty we've had, um, it's looking even better. Yep. All right. Well, this that- has been at the buzzer, much like CU over Nebraska. Um, this is a Ralph Report podcast. Um, we are trying to do this every week during the season. Little recap preview action. Let us know what you think, obviously, um, in the comments of the articles, even when we tweet this out, or even just yell at us. I don't know. If you see us on the street, you always <laughs> welcome feedback. I've had some people meet me and known who I was, and I freaked out. Well, you're famous now, Sam. No, I don't like it when my bank teller knows who I am. Well, just remember, Sam, now that the, the we have turned over into September and into the teens in September, two short months until we have football and tad ball added at the same time. Mm. It's coming up. <laughs> it's going to happen. Right. This is right. at the buzzer. We are signing off. 2-0, baby.